Hello, friends, and welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, a speaker, a best-selling author of the book, U-Turn. Get unstuck, discover your direction, design your dream career. And I created the U-Turn book and the podcast as a place to help you connect to who you truly are at your core. And that's why every single week, I want to bring a guest on with the intention of helping you expand what's possible for you, both in your confidence, whether it's in work or love, and just in life in general. So let's get into this week's episode. All right, U-Turn friends, it's Ash here, and I'm so excited to bring Hector Marcel onto the podcast. He's a social entrepreneur, a public speaker, and a seasoned organizational change, change management professional, and he specializes in performance, culture, and service. Um, he has more than a decade and a half of experience just leading cultural transformations in the public and private sectors, be it through Australia, or now he's based in New York City. I know him because I was just in the certification program to be a certified meditation teacher at Three Jewels in New York, which is registered, I believe, as a nonprofit, correct, Hector? Yep. Yeah, yeah, 501c3 nonprofit, 26 yeah. years. Yeah. Yes, so registered as a nonprofit. Um, and, you know, they put so many people, and he's, he's the director of Three Jewels, so you are responsible, Hector, for so many people who are certified meditation teachers who learn about the about Buddhism, about waking up, um, and I want to ask you so many questions about Three Jewels, about meditation. So those of you who are listening, today's episode is going to be about how do you meditate? What does meditation really mean? People talk about the different types, like TM and, you know, guided and the apps. And I'm, I'm guessing there's a lot of you here who could get so much benefit from even five minutes a day meditating. And maybe you don't know how to get started. And it's been a minute since I've done a meditation episode. So before we even get into meditation... Hector, thank you for coming and being here. Sure. Thanks, Ashley. Yeah, I was a tough person to schedule with for this because I've been gallivanting around. So I appreciate everybody's patience with my chaos. And um, luckily, I have some meditation skills that you gave me for it. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, what is it about meditation that drew you in? And what is it about Three Jewels that we can share with everybody that was so important for you? Yeah, interesting. So... I wasn't looking for meditation. You know, we're talking the 90s. We had just finished the 80s, which was just a rave. Like it was a constant rave of overspending and people indulging, you know, big shoulder pads, mm-hmm. big belts, lots of good times. The last thing on my mind was to take care of my mind or to look at the mind. And I didn't even understand why would anyone sit still in a corner, close their eyes. What's the point of that? Don't I do that sleeping? Honest, honest, you know. Um, but like most of us in our twenties, in my twenties, you know, some things started to break apart. I had all the trappings of success outside and I didn't, I had a business. I was in New York. I was in fashion. I was oh, really awesome things. And everybody was giving me accolades, but oh my God, inside I knew it was rotten. It wasn't even not good. It was just rotten. You know, it was like this loud voices saying you're a fake or it's a lie or you're not really happy. Like, mm-hmm. look at you got the stuff, you know, but where's the joy? Joy is gone. And so ignoring that for a long time, like we, most of us do, uh, wasn't working either. And honestly, I think uh, life has a way to either force upon you the thing that you need to go through in a painful way if you resist or 
in a powerful, awakening, loving way if you don't resist. <laughs> I resisted, you know, yeah. like I, I resisted. And so for me it was a fight to, and, and I just got lucky. I bumped into a monk and they and they challenged me to tame my mind. And I said, of course I can do it, it's my mind. Mm. And I didn't last. They taught me just a very simple meditation. I didn't last three seconds, three seconds. And that frustrated me so much. Mm-hmm. It sounds obvious now talking about it, but it frustrated me so much. I, I thought my mind was mine. Mm-hmm. I thought I could find it. It was mine. I owned it. It's my mind. I mean, just the name of it, my mind. And the fact that I something else was controlling my way of being, my attention, my just lit me up inside with uh, anger at first and uh, kind of uh, stubbornness. Like, I'm going to find you, you bastard. Who are you? And then, you know, the the painful process of taming the mind began. It was, you know, I mean, it's not like this, you know. It's yeah. Like- yeah. It's interesting because I feel like um, people whose minds are busy, they probably think like just sitting in silence is just going to be a noisy ass time sitting with their mind. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I don't know, I don't know who said the quote, like rule your mind or it will rule you. Um, but it feels so poignant here. And I know for me, um, I've turned to therapy and seminars and all of these different things that are kind of talk driven and processing driven, and it's just translates into more words. So what is it about the silence or what is your take on guided meditation for like, when do people turn, like, let's say it's a shelf of options. When do people turn to a guided meditation versus the silence and how do they even get started? Yeah, good, good, good. So first of all, I want to say whatever the hell anybody listening to this thinks meditation is, it's either just a part of it or not at all, Mm. you know? Even for me, whenever we say meditation, if we're not clear on what we're talking about, all of a sudden I've got this stupid picture of me in a monk, as a monk in a cave, having to be so still that nothing moves me. And then I get terrible news and I'm unaffected. And that's not meditation, although meditation can be described that way. So I'm going to propose an idea that meditation is really the agency we bring to our minds holding our attention by our choice on an object of meditation on, on a thing to play attention to it doesn't have to be a physical object and be a mental object right can you hone in your attention like a laser beam at the moment it's a bright light you see everything well can you pinpoint one thing put your attention on that thing and sustain it for just a couple of minutes so it's not blanking out it's not not thinking of nothing it's not ruminating it's not going through sensations many of the guided meditations move us through visualizations and we it's easy for the distracted mind to get lost in all the visualizations that's just baby practice for real concentration real real concentration laser focus now that sounds harsh and like well you know laser concentration but i tell you we have it when we want to when you're lost in a book that is so stunning yeah. that you you forget you're holding a piece of paper in your hand or a Kindle or whatever, and your mind is completely lost in that character, that's concentration right there. That's a meditative state if you hold that for a few minutes. 
Mm. And then the teachings of meditation, and I've looked, I've come at it through many different ways, but I've devoted myself to the Tibetan Buddhist methods because they've got so much literature and practice and they seem to have had results. Yeah, mm. it's not just blah, blah. So yeah. from that lens, I can talk about the training of the mind as meditation. Meditation, that state of oh, connectedness, bright awareness, clarity, focus, doesn't happen just because you wish it. Nothing happens just because you wish it. You have to work your ass at it. And how do you work it? It's counter, it's counterintuitive, right? You, you first of all have to do all the things that will bring your mind to attention. And you're going to have to go through the desert of I've got no attention to understand how to develop attention. Mm. And that then begins the journey of I've built the tool, meditation, the tool, the, the laser beam that focuses my attention sweetly. That can take months mm. yeah, in small chunks. And then the big, big question is what do you put that attention on? That's the game changer. Yeah. Yeah, you can meditate on, I want to get happy because I like, uh, I don't know, whatever. And, and that's only going to be a temporary happiness. Right. If you understand the real nature of who you are and your mind and, and place your attention on that, ask the really stronger questions, you can Buddha, you can Bud, awake. Buddha means the one who woke up. You can Buddha to the reality that you are the lens maker through which you experience everything. And if that's true, then you get to choose what kind of world you step into and who you are in that world for real. Mm. And that's the point of meditation, at least in the wake up as the Buddhists. Yeah. So get enlightened, right? Mm. Tame your mind so you can place your mind's attention on how reality is happening for you mm. and then wake up because the reality that you thought was happening isn't really happening. You ain't ever getting happy the way you think you are by changing the things outside of you yeah. difficult topic but really exciting if it's true because right. the agency is yours you know like it's well it's interesting i think a lot about um i lived in france for four years and there was an, a period of that uh, on and off and there was a period of it where i would go to the same coffee shop every day and so my thoughts were very influenced by the people that i would see every day and it kind of became my universe yeah. And I was realizing that we're all living in different universes. And I think about this with dating and everyone who's listening, like Hector is so much fun to talk about dating with. He's on Grindr right now, finding <laughs> his love interest. And in the meditation <laughs> class, we're just hearing about it's the best. But I even dating, it's like choosing a life partner. I kind of see each person like a universe and they have their own likes and interests and, and little planet that you get to be on. And sometimes choosing a life partner is kind of like choosing what universe you want to live on with someone. And I think we're doing that in our mind. And so uh, whenever I want to change my universe, my go-to has been kind of changing who I'm around or having new conversations, new information, new creativity, new thoughts. But to think about meditation as a, it's kind of the opposite. It's like, you don't need to go anywhere or be with anyone or take in anything. If anything, it's just a process of removal and silence and focus. So on a scientific level, and I love to, that I can ask you this and know that you have so many answers, what is even going on in our brains? What is going on when we meditate? Um, and, and do we get those benefits through guided meditation at all? Like, can you talk a little bit about yeah. for everyone who's maybe debating on if they should start? 
Hey, U-Turners, this episode is sponsored in part by our friends over at Organifi. My absolute favorite product has got to be their chocolate and their vanilla protein powder. Due to my diagnosis of Lyme disease, I'm really careful with what I put in my body on an ongoing basis, and I smiled from ear to ear when my doctor read the ingredients on the back of their powder and gave it a thumbs up. They're gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, vegan, almost no sugar. It's, it's kind of perplexing that it actually is something at all. <laughs> their chocolate protein powder I love to put with nut milk, cashew butter, and f- frozen blueberries, while their vanilla is so good with peanut butter, frozen strawberries, and nut milk. This smoothie is my fix when I'm hungry anytime or when I just have a sweet tooth. Just so good. I mean, here's the thing. It's tempting to turn to that second or third cup of coffee, but the truth of the matter is that caffeine can only do so much. At some point, we need to look at the root cause of our fatigue, and it turns out the two main factors in low energy are chronic stress and lack of nutrition. Organifi's clean, organic superfood blends address these problems with adaptogenic herbs and mushrooms to help you balance your cortisol levels associated with stress, and they make it easier with one scoop of protein powder to add so many more nutrients into your day. If you'd like to grab yourself some protein powder or really any of their incredible products, just head on over to Organifi.com slash U-Turn. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com slash Y-O-U. T-U-R-N, and make sure you use the code U-TURN at checkout for 20% off. Yeah, 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 of course. Uh, my recommendation, 100% everyone should start, but don't start as if you're taking a pill and it's going to do something to you. Start like an experiment. Make this the unique bliss experiment of your life where secretly you sit in a corner on a chair on the floor, whatever the hell you want to do, and just try the techniques of meditation. And there are techniques, okay? So it's not just wandering mind or trying to empty your mind. I'll ask you about those too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so definitely everyone should try. What's going on physiologically? It's interesting because such a Western question, right? After being immersed in Eastern philosophy for 23 years, I don't even give a rat's about what's going on in the brain. I really don't. But a bunch of chemicals are going on from the brain. A bunch of neurons are firing in the same way that you just described that coffee shop. You walk into that coffee shop and you you now have a bias to feel that same way you were feeling there before last time you were there. And next time you go, you're going to have that bias. And so the more you go to that coffee shop, the more that identity fires in your brain and you identify with that state of being, which has a bunch of emotions and feelings and chemicals going off. But the chemicals themselves aren't the thing making you feel that way. It was the thing pre the chemical. The neurons firing, sure, it's just an evidence of what's going on in consciousness, not in brain. Meat, brain, consciousness, not meat, right? So there's a very big difference between between awareness, consciousness, which is non-physical, and physical, which is brain. Brain, to me, is the map of where your consciousness has been. And the neurons firing together and locking together giving us a bias to return to that state over and over is just the evidence of the power of our minds, not our brains. Brains are the map of the power of our minds. I know it sounds weird, but I've done enough study to feel very confident around that Eastern philosophy, right? We we haven't reached that level of sophistication around the mind in the West yet. Mm -hmm. We started like Freudian philosophy in in the 40s or something. So what's going on? We begin a physical, chemical, emotional state of identifying with a certain state of being yeah Mm. and by repetition 
we habituate that state of being like you going into the coffee shop. Now, the meditators of the past says, well, that's awesome that that's happening out of all the possible states of being. And I love that you said like dating is like going to a new universe, right? Because you really are. However, however, I want to tell you about interest net in a second. However, in meditation, you get infinite choices of who to date with your mind with. Okay. In in on Grinder, I, I get the shitty choice of New York gays, right? It's sometimes <laughs> a little annoying. But um <laughs> but you know, like sorry, New York gays. But you know, like I go to a different place and a different kind of person appears, and I, I have to contend with the limitation of that person's universe in meditation and this is what's stunning about the buddhists they've developed techniques where you choose the most amplified grandiose extraordinary ashley Mm -hmm. you would like to date you're Mm -hmm. no longer dependent on anyone else what's an ashley void of any afflictive state of mind ever like no depression no sadness no melancholy like is is it possible for that mind to not have that anymore? And the answer is, yes, it is, and there's reasons and debates. And if that's possible, that's good. a, a good beginning. Then what would be the ultimate, Ashley? What would she feel like inside? What's the most heightened state of love that you can experience? Insight you can experience, wisdom you can experience, compassion you can experience. What turns your heart on fire that that fire is radiating from every pore of your skin, bright love red towards anything that you meet? And so Buddhists create that image of the future, Ashley, and they sit there and meditate on that. That becomes your object of meditation. And gradually your mind begins to fire as if that's true. Mm -hmm. And then our behavior follows. I love this so much. And I love that you've asked us in class when we were getting certified about, and those of you who are looking into this, Three Jewels, they have an online feature. So if you want to get certified in meditation, you could go to their website. And since it's a nonprofit, you get to feel good that you're donating to something beautiful. But, you know, my experience is that, you know, the mind wants to move around. And I remember when you asked us to do research, looking at the prefrontal cortex and, the area of your brain that is responsible for decision-making and has gray matter. And um, there is some research that I read and you're going to kill me because I don't, well, you're not because you meditate too much to kill anyone, but I don't remember my source, Um, but I I do my mental afflictions. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, But I remember reading that um, in studies where there were, you know, all these women meditating their brain, their prefrontal cortex had enhanced gray matter that matched the quality of gray matter of a brain that was only 25 years old when they were 50 years old. So looking at the research that your actual decision making get, and it's interesting because when I think of a 25 year old, I don't think of good decision making, <laughs> but I do think of a younger brain. Um, You've been so, on my grinder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would love to be a fly on you. Or maybe, I don't know. I don't know if I love. Well, so, you know, I think about this research. You also shared some corporate research. um, And I would love to hear that. And I also heard you say that our eye only sees 0.0035% of the electromagnetic field. Can you explain what that really means? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We, We have such limited... Uh, filters, yeah, 
the experience get this if you get anything okay fact the human brain is not seeing whatever the hell we are seeing yeah the brain cannot see a computer a phone or whatever you're looking at right now the brain can only cap receive data right on and off data what's making the interpretation inside the darkness of our skull is consciousness and habit once we understand it the eye alone just one of the filters that we are using to find out what's out there beyond our skin right that can only capture 0.0035% of all visible light between ultraviolet and uh, uv right so all of existing light that's measurable the human eyeball can only capture 0.0035%. That's infinitesimally small. And yet, anybody with their eyes open right now can see how rich that tiny percentage is. Right. Everything around you, like everything you capture through your eyeball is stunning as a human. The range of colors, the shapes, the everything, right? Texture. Colors and shapes, colors and shapes, colors and shapes. And they have so much meaning for us, but the eyeball doesn't ascribe the meaning. Mm. The eyeball doesn't give the feeling. The eyeball barely sends it to the brain, and the brain is not sitting there going, now I'm going to have all these feelings. Yes, chemicals go off when we have feelings, but the Eastern philosophical approach, and that's why meditation says, if you look into what's giving you the feeling in response to this tiny sliver of reality, because if what we're seeing is 0.0035%, what is really out there is extraordinary. Mm -hmm. It's beyond. It's divine. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to talk about, you know, religious texts meeting heaven and gods. And it's people that might have seen 0.004% or something, you know, right. through their meditation eye, you know. Right. That's what's so yeah. profound to me is how much we're not seeing. And it's like, if our eye can only see less than 1% of the light and shapes and all of the things that are in front of it, how, who are we to draw conclusions about what is? We're, we're for sure mistaken, right? Yeah. We're for sure mistaken. Yeah, our and, senses and, are so limited. Yeah, and so, and yet they function. So it's not to say, because then, you know, new Buddhists or new wake-upists start freaking out going, oh, nothing is real. Like, you know, that's not true. There is real. I can slap you on the face and you will feel it. You know, like, you know, like it's, a, we are living in reality, albeit a tiny, tiny portion of what is real. We humans get the privilege to spend time in that tiny corner of the universe, but the universe and all the sentient life in that universe perceive a kaleidoscope of goodness, a kaleidoscope of experience for which we are stuck in a tiny corner because we have eyeballs. Yeah. You know? We're limited, in meditation, right? you don't need eyeballs, okay? Right. And this is what's what's stunning. You know, in the heart surgery, got no eye, no ear, no nose, no tongue, no body, and no forms or sounds or smells or tastes or touches or mental workings at all. It's saying shut down the windows for which the mind thinks reality exists. If you close your eyes, you stop the bias of 0.0035% and you're going to get to the interpreter of the visuals. Because mm -hmm. that's more important than the visuals. The visuals is a tiny portion, but who's making meaning consciousness? So shut the shut the eyes. That's why we close our eyes in meditation. Stay still. Don't let your body have too many 
sensations, yeah? Mm -hmm. So what then the mind interpreting the sensations becomes the object of your attention, the real Ashley, mm -hmm. the one interpreting ear, nose, tongue, like all the senses. Who is she? Mm -hmm. The one making all these decisions. So then you get to the monkey mind, right? You shut the windows of awareness, nothing to see, nothing to taste, nothing to smell. You sit very still in meditation. And initially, Ashley goes crazy. The monkey in the monkey awareness goes crazy. She's like, but I've got nothing to look at. Who am I? I've got nothing to hear and interpret. Who am I? Right. And that discomfort is just the early stages of you dismantling our own suffering industrial complex, right? Which is our own mind struggling to get attached to things that are not the things that make us happy. Yeah. Hey, U-Turners, this episode is sponsored in part by our friends over at Cured Nutrition. We all know that a complete night of sleep is essential to optimize our wellness and our general well-being. Cured's Sleep Bundle, which combines their best-selling Zen and most potent CBN, is the answer to guaranteeing that you get that full night of sleep every single night. Zen is a blend of functional mushrooms, adaptogens, and full-spectrum cannabinoids. Some people just can't fall asleep. Other people can't stay asleep. And then there's those that fall asleep and stay asleep, but still struggle to spend enough time in each sleep stage. No matter what's keeping you from your truest rest and restoration, this sleep bundle is such a solution. Think of it as a one-two punch for a body and brain reset. When it starts to kick in, I notice every inch of my body soften into a deeper state of relaxation as if I'm laying beneath the comfort of a weighted blanket. Right now, Cured is extending an exclusive offer to the U-Turn community. You can grab Zen and CBN in the sleep bundle for an extra 20% off Cured's already discounted price by heading over to www.curednutrition.com slash U-Turn and using the coupon code U-Turn at checkout. That's www.curednutrition.com, C-U-R-E-D, nutrition.com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N and the coupon code U-Turn at checkout to save an additional 20% off. To improve your life, you need to improve your sleep. Now let's get back to this week's episode. So what are some of the resources that you've turned to in your journey to awaken that have brought you here the most? Like I know that you've had different mentors, different books, different experiences. Let's say someone right now, they're thinking about starting meditating, they wanna do it, but they're kind of like a resource rich sort of like learner and they wanna comprehend it even though that's the point of meditation is to get beyond the mind's comprehension. Um, where do where do they begin? Uh, what, what would be some of your favorite places to start? Yeah, good, good, good. So honest, honest, honest. Three Jewels being a nonprofit, they they trans they I walked in there on opening night by mistake, and now I'm the president of the board, and I get to manage a community of forty six thousand visits a year, all run by volunteers and donations because they found a way to connect to the stuff that is worth studying in my mind and. And so we have at Three Jewels, thanks to my teacher who translated it from the Tibetan into English in the 90s, the entire curriculum that you would study in a monastery, these are called the Asian Classics Institute courses, ACIs, we teach them as mini workshops at Three Jewels. So I would go to that. It's rare information you won't find translated anywhere else. So that began 
a journey where I got to see the world beyond the 0.0035% that I was accustomed to. Right. There's another viewpoint in the East. Mm -hmm. Get authentic access to that viewpoint, tested access, right? Mm -hmm. Or test access to texted works. And anything by the Dalai Lama was helpful. Uh, a book called The Mind Illuminated grabs the first nine stages of meditation and, and locks into the first four, written by a neuroscientist and meditator who recently passed away. The Mind Illuminated, very amazing resource on how to actually very practically work with a mind so you can get attention. You know? mm. And so for me, come to a three tools class, do the Asian Classics Institute courses. They became my go-to resource, even when I was being, uh, and I still am, quite a successful organizational change consultant dealing with organizational psychology like how do you deal with group dynamics how do you deal with massive change the eastern um the eastern understanding of what's happening in the human dynamics is way more profound than anything i've learned at university in my mba in organizational culture and change mm. anything at all because it puts the onus back on you, the perceiver, you, the experiencer of the thing. We take personal responsibility for how we engage with our world. And then the world will reflect itself back to us, just like your story at the cafe. Yeah. It, it also reminds me of a conversation with a mentor I once had where I walked into her office and I said, I feel, I feel wild today. Like, I just feel nuts. And she's like, well, who sees that? Who's witnessing your wildness. And I was like, I don't know. She's like, you have an awareness behind it. That's watching it. And that's what keeps, that's what tells me that you're not wild. You're not nuts because there's something deeper witnessing all of it. And, um, I guess, I guess she, you know, I remember thinking, wow, she really has a point. If I was really nuts, I wouldn't even be attuned. Yeah. 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 Good. To Good. me. So how, do you recommend somebody get started with meditating? And in practical terms, what are some steps that people can take if they just want to start a small practice? I know that I went home for Thanksgiving and I was like, oh, I'll lead a gratitude meditation for all of you. And my mom was like, it better be three minutes. Like, I'm not going to last. <laughs> I forgot because I can totally just be, especially if it's guided, I can go in for an hour. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So what would be uh, an amount of time from a structural standpoint? Because I, I got a lot of messages on Instagram, people saying like, how long every day until you get the benefits. How long if it's really hard for you? So just any of those sorts of questions around getting started. Yeah, getting started. Getting meditation practice started. Here is my go-to list, okay? Create a place in a, a little corner of your world, like a special place in your bedroom or in your living room or wherever it is, where it's like a sacred corner. Joseph Campbell calls it your little bliss corner. Yeah, follow your bliss Go create a special place where your identity in that place, like you in the cafe, feels ex I've got a new experiment over here. This is my real private, private me, 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 me time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm going to be totally me here. So, and I'm going to connect to the highest, best me. So that's number one. Find a little place where you can return to regularly. It's going to be your refuge. Number two, decide that you're going to start small in small, small steps. I wouldn't meditate more than two minutes. If you're a very beginner, I'm going to sit my ass down. I'm going to settle my body and I'm just going to close my eyes and I'm going to begin to follow my breath just as a very basic regulating the physiology of me and just noticing how my mind begins to respond to being still. Mm. 
you can't last more than a couple of minutes. Yeah, you really can't. And anyone that thinks that they can are not really focused unless they've practiced for a long time. Mm. And so it's stupid to think you have to sit there for 20 minutes or even 10 minutes. I believe two minutes is, is a good thing, you know, um, is a good thing to start with. And then once you start getting familiar there, you're going to naturally want to get more out of it. The big, the big mistake that I hear from people is like that they, they don't know what to meditate on, what to place their mind on. Mm-hmm. And usually it's the breath, like, okay, shut, shut up, sit down, don't move, feel kind of excited to sit there on your own and just witness what your mind is doing. That's the point. See what your mind is doing, right? But give it one thing to focus on the breath. Just begin to follow the breath in and out. You're going to get bored, natural. And then you're going to watch what your mind does when it gets bored. That's exciting. You're like, oh, check that out. Why'd you get angry? Oh, check that out. You thought of your ex-boyfriend. Why? You know, like it's just the mind revealing itself and you get to discover, rediscover your own mind, which is stunning. So it's not like you're going to do it right by focusing on one thing. You're realizing at the beginning my mind is insane. My mind is going to throw a thousand different things at me and I'm just going to watch it initially. Yeah. Eventually you'll get past that phase where you're like, oh, of course I'm going to get distracted. Of course I want a little bit more. And that little bit more you invite in front of you, someone to hang out and meditate with. And this can be a real person, an imagined person, the future you, but you want to find the most stunning, motivating mentor, teacher, guide that can be your personal go-to mentor for all your future meditation sessions. And for me, I created a, a conglomerate of really good qualities initially, you know, and I, I brought this sort of person made of light and they knew everything and they could read my mind and I wasn't embarrassed and they gave me advice and it became a little secret. Uh, I still meditate with them sometimes. And so then I, I, the only other thing I would do is I would stretch my time of meditating, whether it's on the breath or on the teacher or something like that, by a minute every week. So after a week, I would do it. Yeah, and another minute, so three minutes and four minutes. And then by the end of a year, you got like 50 minutes if you, wow. if you do that, you know. Um, that That's for people that want to begin on their own. If that's too much, then go to a regular guided meditation if you lose yourself in it in moments in there that's enough that's good you need a community more than anything else to keep you on this practice my experience has been although it's a thing you do alone you do it alone together and so to have other meditators to geek out about to be really open about that's the magic of three jewels you know first of all non-profit so it's free or by donation if you're online so people sit there, meditate, and then they hang out after and talk about it because there's no one else to talk about. And it's that community, that group of people that are actually, whatever they've gone through in life that has brought them to meditate, them sharing that with each other is what gives everyone hope. Mm. And, and that's stronger than you creating your little corner in your own apartment. Do you want to get your daily dose of greens, but not feel like you're eating dirt? (laughs) This episode is sponsored in part by our dear friends over at Athletic Greens. And what I love about their greens powder is that they're not only carbon neutral, 
but they taste incredible. I started taking Athletic Greens because I really wanted to get all the nutrients and all the vitamins that I could in one swoop, and I just couldn't bring myself to keep drinking those celery, veggie, juice, smoothie things. I just wanted something that tasted good and was good for me, and their greens are tropical, tasty, and yes, their travel packs are perfect for road trips and getaways. So you never really have to miss out. I've been on Athletic Greens for the past year and I just can't seem to live without it anymore. I've passed it on to a couple of friends and now it's become a staple for all of us. I actually look forward to taking my greens every morning. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of nutrients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, focus, and your anti-aging, all the things. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. I actually even put it in a smoothie sometimes. To make it easy, head on over to athleticgreens.com slash U-turn, and you're going to get a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is head to athleticgreens.com slash U-turn to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Now let's get back to this week's episode. I want to ask you about what happens. So let's say that, you know, Sally is listening right now and she wants to start meditating and she's going to do her two minutes. She's going to focus on her breath. One thing I love that you did in class was you talk about like the cold air coming in when you breathe in and the hot air going out and just focusing on the tip of your nose. That's And just, if you could just be with that even a minute or two, um, what happens when people say, Oh, my thoughts are everywhere. Like I can't even sit with this, like, or do I need a mantra or, you know, I can't focus on my breath for more than 20 seconds. What would your feedback be for them about those thoughts and what do they do with them? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the point, one of the, one of the ways we go through the initial stages of meditation is becoming very aware how distracted our minds are. Okay. It's more than we think. Yeah, even we want to come to meditation to calm our minds. Once we start meditating, we realize, no, no, I'm crazier than I thought I was. Like my mind is is, is way more wild and untamed than I thought it was. So whatever object you choose, let's say the breath, right? You can go into infinite detail into what is the breath? Is it your whole chest rising and falling? Is it the air moving in and out of your nostrils? Is it your belly expanding, contracting? It can be any of those points of focus, but the game is nothing to do with the breath. The game is, can your mind pay attention to one thing, the breath, wherever you chose it, right? So then to, to lock the mind in that on that breath, you wanna go to more and more detail like, Did you notice how cool it is when it hits the back of your nose? All of a sudden, our attention is on the coolness. We're still on the breath. And so we're maintaining our attention for a little bit longer just to fend off our minds from being distracted. Yeah. So then to go a little bit deeper. So, okay, I I felt the coolness. My mind's still on the breath. That's awesome. I'm not freaking out. I'm not thinking about breakfast or the grinder. You know, now I'm going to do the exhale. Oh, warm air on the tip of the nose and it feels moist on the top lip. 
my attention is still there. I'm on the breath. It's been two seconds longer now, three seconds longer. So all the detail that whatever you place your mind on is just to train your mind to pay attention. And to keep your mind paying attention, you go more and more detail. And if you don't want to use the breath, you can use the visualization and look at all the beautiful detail of that teacher in front of you made of light and radiating blah. It's just an excuse to maintain our attention. Another way to do that is a mantra. Let's use a mantra. So it's not like you've got to learn all mantra meditation. You've got to learn all visualization meditation. You've got to learn all physical sensation meditation. It's just a bullshit excuse to focus your mind on one thing. Mm -hmm. And then how detailed do you go the mantra? It's just to keep your mind attention more, more on the mantra and not off the mantra, right? Mm -hmm. More on the teacher and not off the teacher. More on the breath and not off the breath. Now, what happens? There's this famous five problems of meditation and not eight, eight antidotes to meditation, right? So your mind will go through these five problems. First of all, you're not going to want to do it. You don't want to meditate. Mm -hmm. And so the antidote is do it, get excited, realize the benefits and attack, right? Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Uh, then your, your mind is going to be distracted. And that's like the second challenge in meditation. That is the game. Don't be shocked. Don't be surprised. Expect that your mind will be distracted. And meditation practice is lessening those distractions. Of mm -hmm. course, you're going to think of breakfast. Of course, grinder date's going to come and interrupt your <laughs> mind. But you don't have to get hooked by it. You yeah. don't have to place your attention. And so there's all these techniques. And for me, some of the favorite techniques are whatever my mind's distraction is, or you've got to go to a meeting afterwards, or you've got to go on that grinder date, or you've got to do whatever is I promise I will deal with you distraction immediately after my meditation. Yeah. Uh, and I imagine it physically, a balloon with the hot air inside it, waiting for me outside the door with the name, grinder date or mm -hmm. lunch date or breakfast recipe. And I, outside my house door is a bunch of balloons, like helium balloons, each of them with each distraction that I had in the meditation and they're waiting for me. And I promise my mind when I finish meditating, when I finish my time, I can worry with all your distractions. Mm. And for me, it works magic. I don't know why. Sometimes I let the balloons go and they disappear and fade into the distance. And I stop thinking about the distractions. Mm. Now, day after day doing that, your mind will get tired and stop distracting you. Mm. And then you will actually get to say, well, I'm actually experiencing this awareness of breathing or the teacher or whatever your object is or the mantra. And in that state of being, you get to connect to a part of you that you that the 0.035% doesn't ever reach. Mm. The real awareness of who Ashley really is. Mm. Yeah. And that is, um, it can move you to tears, Ashley. That, that's always there, mm -hmm. you know, and we're just locked in this constant distraction. Yeah. And so meditation then becomes real for, for us. Yeah. But you can't get there until you go through the distraction forest, you know. I remember when I was seven, I looked in the mirror and I didn't recognize my face. Like I felt like, who are you? And I remember just staring and touching my face in the mirror saying, who are you? And I just think um, some people have that, some people don't. but what, how I think a lot of people listening might be 
it sounds poetic, right? To say like, meditate a couple minutes a day, listen to yourself, breathe or feel your breath, pay attention to the tip of your nose and just learn how to focus your mind. And then you're going to find out who you are. A lot of people are like, why the fuck am I going to find myself breathing <laughs> through my nose quietly for two minutes a day? So why would you say that? What is actually happening in real time? Good, 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 good. There yeah. is all, it, the, the, you just used an example before when you went to your mentor and she said, and you said, I'm freaking out. And your yeah. mentor said that there's an awareness of you freaking out isn't there. So you can't really be freaking out. Right. That's the reason. You will come to see the awareness of all the stories that you think are Ashley, mm -hmm. all the stories that I think are Hector. Mm -hmm. And that's why. And so in, in watching the thoughts like clouds over a blue sky that come and go, and sometimes it's thunderstorms and sometimes it's thin, wispy clouds or whatever. Once the thoughts, the feelings, the sensations are those things moving in the blue sky. Once you clear the sky, you stop being distracted by those things and the clouds go away, you are this infinite blue awareness, this sky-like, expansive, never-ending, blissful state of being for which it's, which is a stage for every identity you've ever had. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the blissfulness comes when you realize if that's true, I was the identity of that cloudy storm just for a minute and I felt shit. And I was that identity of that loving thought and I felt awesome. And they're both gone now because mm -hmm. you've settled it down. I'm still there. There is, an, there is a bigger witness. me. Mm -hmm. The witness is there. And that witness has all of the possibilities in there in a non-attached, stunning way. Mm -hmm. I love that you said non-attached because I think that you know, also really interesting in um, not to go dark on all of you listening, but I remember my first experience of death was in, um, I mean, outside, I don't know if my grandparents had died. So yeah, I think it was my first experience was a kid in high school named Victor. I rode the school bus with him, not high school, middle school, and he committed suicide. He drove off of Malibu Canyon. And I remember I didn't have the news until the next day. And I noticed that he wasn't on the bus because we used to sit close to each other. And I remember having a really fun day, the day that he committed suicide and not knowing that he committed suicide. So the next day when I found the information and my mind took in that information, yeah. it was like this weird feeling of like, how could I have had such a great day yesterday when he Good. wasn't on this planet? And the only difference between yesterday and today was my awareness that he had died. Um, and it was really sad. And I did feel the grief and the pain. Can you talk a little bit about death? Um, and you know, the mind and how it, how it can move past information like that. I love that story, Ashley. And thank you, Victor, for inviting us to talk about it. So yeah. it, you'll notice that what I've been describing as meditation is leaning into the discomfort of being aware of the distraction. And, and just leaning in, don't run away, lean in, keep doing it. Don't give up, keep doing it. Lean into the distraction, right? Yeah. That, that builds a kind of uh, tenacity in us, a kind of fearlessness, right? Mm -hmm. The incredible thing about the Buddhists are like, okay, dudes and dudesses, um, what's the biggest fear you got? Death. Mm -hmm. Let's meditate on death. Let's go and bring our mind's attention on what happens to consciousness when it confronts death. Because mm -hmm. it's coming for you. 
And so, you know, we did this death meditation in our teacher training, right? So there's three big contemplations about the reality of impermanence. Like you, any, everyone's going to die. Nobody knows exactly when. But the only thing left in consciousness is the experience you built out through your precious life. So what are you putting in your mind? Mm-hmm. Yeah, are you loving or are you hating? Well, it's you know? just like food, right? It's like, where are we eating a lot of sugar and getting headaches and not being able to think and be creative? Which, Precise. you know, who might have talked, I love sugar, but um, it's the same thing with our mind. Are we feeding it different thoughts? I mean, we have like a NASDAQ ticker just going through our mind and behind it, or it's like clouds in the sky. It's like, we are the sky and there's these clouds going through. And how yeah. you- and who are you identifying with, you see? And so they they go and deconstruct death completely. My experience has been, I was a much better agent for those people that are sick and dying when my mind was clear Mm -hmm. and after having had the wisdom that comes from meditating Mm -hmm. yeah and study not just meditating meditating and study and that's why recommend go and take the online classes at three jewels they're extraordinary you won't find them in many places around the world yeah i was gonna say to everyone listening to like even just signing up for their email list is so great because you just find out about new classes and and that's what i also wanted to ask you about hector was dharma a lot Mm -hmm. of people talk about meditation as a vehicle to their their purpose, their calling, who they are. Um, What is it that you can share with everyone to support them as they maybe step into this two minute a day situation of meditating um, to start getting closer to their dharma as well? Because a lot of people, I think right now, especially in the wake of the pandemic, um, are getting this rush of like anxiety and mental health challenges and I know that throughout COVID, you know, a lot of people were in fight or flight. We're like handling things and making sure our kids get care and da da da. Our mind doesn't have time to go sit and how it's actually feeling because it's in the frenetic energy of the day to day and handling. And I think now with COVID not behind us, but kind of with us in a different way, it's almost like we're all taking a breath of fresh air and all of these mental health things are coming and it's hard for people to feel a sense of purpose in their work, in their day. So can we talk a little bit about what does Dharma mean to you and how can people start to get closer to their Dharma through meditation yeah. in general? It's fun. The, the origin of the word Dharma comes from the Sanskrit root dur, which means to hold up, to hold up a essence, right? So everything is a Dharma. Like the way you walk around the world is a Dharma. The way you identify is a Dharma. But the highest Dharma, the Dharma that is encompassing everything um, at least from the Buddhist perspective, Buddha Dharma perspective, is that everything in our experience of being is transformable. Mm-hmm. And that's the emptiness of things, right? Things don't have a nature like we think they do. The sadness and the fight or flight that we had through COVID doesn't have to stay. It won't stay. Mm-hmm. It's impermanent too. Mm-hmm. It appears like it's going to stay. It appears like it's fixed. It appears that we're all frightened. And, and we are, but it's ain't, it ain't permanent. Nothing's permanent. Mm-hmm. And so the dharma that we get to understand, the highest dharma is that in that impermanence is room for creating the world you want to step into, mm-hmm. your ideal world, because that's also changing. Yeah, sometimes you're happy, sometimes you're sad. If you misunderstand where it comes from, you will always sometimes be happy and sometimes be sad. If you understand what caused it, which is your mind, right that therefore meditation then you have way more agency to put in your mind what you want your mind to put out 
tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, regardless pandemic, regardless people sick and dying, regardless boyfriend, no boyfriend, regardless grinder or Tinder, your mind will be in this pristine state regardless. Yeah. And so the highest dharma anybody could have is the study of how our minds create that. And that's really all Buddhist philosophical books are about. And all the practices are ways to get our mind to realize you are fabricating your experience, even though it doesn't feel like I'm fabricating fight or flight right now, that it's beyond me. Your mind is still the creator of that experience. It will pass. Once it passes, you've got agency to make it whatever you want. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even as it's passing. And so that's why meditation is actually the flight simulator for much of the healing that we need to do. You create in your meditation the ideal world and you wait and watch your mind create the real that that stunning world tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. And I can say that after 26 years of practicing, right. many of which have been failed, but not really failed in so far as I tried to be happy when I wasn't. I tried, and then all of a sudden, doesn't matter what's happening around me. My natural state is mostly happy and joy because mm -hmm. I habituated, not because I did any special meditation. Mm -hmm. In the meditation, I habituated joy. Okay, so this, I have a few things. Like, first of all, I just watched um, on Netflix, there was a new show called From Scratch about this love story, and then it gets really, really sad and devastating. And I was thinking after at the end of this series that I couldn't stop watching how powerful it is that I can watch a story that isn't my life, that isn't even real, and I can be devastated. And, um, and, and I want to talk to you, you know, for people as we wrap up around meditation, people sometimes say to me when I say I just got certified at Three Jewels, like, what kind, what type of meditation? And I'm like, I don't know, Tibetan, like the original. Um, and people are like, is it TM? Is it this? Is it that? So can you speak a little bit to the styles yeah. of meditation? Because you did kind of say like, it's all the same thing. It's yeah, yeah, good, good. I can group all of meditation, regardless which tradition, yeah, whether it's Christian or Muslim or Buddhist, it doesn't matter. All of nobody owns it. Okay. Buddhists don't own it either. Okay. They're just really good at nerding out about it. So they've written lots of books about it, but I can say, Basically, there's three types of meditation. Number one is fixed attention. Train your mind to play, pay attention to one thing. And in that list, you've got a thousand things. Mantra meditation, visualization meditation. So, But these are all fixation meditation. Get your mind fixed, playing attention. And that will develop shamatha, single-pointed concentration. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that that every tradition has a way to focus your mind. So then you don't have to get concerned. Should I do TM? Should I do this? Should I do that? You're just training your mind to pay attention, to get fixed on something like cats on a pigeon, you know, like they're just like locked in. Mm -hmm. That's all you're training your mind to do in this. And then you use different things to lock your mind. Yeah. And witness its distraction. That's number one and, and vital shamatha. Yeah. The other one is uh, it's more of a mental gymnastics. It's analytical meditation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this is more like an inner debate where you're trying to analyze, oh, here comes this thought of anger. Did the anger come from the boss yelling at me or did the anger actually stem from me? Mm -hmm. Where is anger really? And so you're doing this kind of internalizing, focused debate about the nature of where things come from. And so you can analyze anything that troubles you. Why did I get angry? Why did I fall in love? Why did we break up? Why do, why do I find myself in this 
situation all the time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you will get insight out of that debate. And that that's actually the real the real uh, meaning of the word vipassana, vipassana, right? Mm -hmm. It means insight. Mm -hmm. Your mind will come to insight. So you sit there and go, why do I always get angry with this shitty boss? It's the boss, the boss it is. And then you look at, but their wife doesn't get angry with them. Mm -hmm. So it can't be them. It's got to be me. Damn it. You just got some insight. Yeah, you just woke up a little, Buddha a little. So that's a second type of meditation, analytical meditation. That's more busy. That's really good for Western minds because we love being busy and thinking through things. Mm -hmm. But what happens is after you get to an aha moment, oh, shit, it was me. It wasn't the boss. If you've trained in your first fixed meditation, if you can focus your mind, then you want to stay on that vipassana, that realization. You want to sit there and go, oh, my God, what does that mean that it's me? Anger was in me. Well, but and isn't you... that a lot of thoughts? That's the problem is people are like, oh, meditation is you got to put your thoughts away, but then analytical. So yeah. for those of you listening and taking notes, there's fixed meditation, which is focusing on one thing, which is what we've been kind of advocating for with the structure. Then there's analytical meditation, which is kind of like ping pong, ping pong you're yeah. going back and forth about something that you have a question about, which is quite powerful. If you think about your career or something, I actually found that in the certification to be the most challenging for me because I'm still learning fixed meditation. I'm still yeah, yeah. Figuring out, you know, it's like I coach entrepreneurs sometimes and they're like, how do we do group programs? I'm like, first, let's figure out how to get one client, then Good. we'll get you a group. So it's the same thing with meditation. How do we be fixed? And then how do we be analytical? Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. 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 And then and the other the kind, right? The third kind is review. It's not really a meditation. It's just a way to memorize stuff. You know, it's just more of an exercise and that you, you'll go through a sequence or you'll go through, um, a list and you just try and memorize it because it will serve you in your analytical meditation. But yeah. analytical meditation by itself will just bring you to an insight. And unless you can focus, you can't expand that insight. Okay. So that's how they connect. You're, we're good at analyzing right now, but we are bad at staying fixed on the conclusion of the analysis. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's why we need fixation meditation and so most of the internet meditations visualizations etc are just guiding us to focus on love mm -hmm. so how do i get my mind to stay on love oh think of the ex-girlfriend think of the boyfriend think of your babies think of this think of that think of that those thoughts are just to trigger love mm -hmm. you're still fixed on love mm -hmm. yeah if if the teacher knows what they're doing yeah mm -hmm. if not they just copied some other bullshit guided meditation and they're just talking at you yeah. That's not meditation. People talking at you is not meditation. Yeah. Your mind focused is meditation. Got it. Okay. And then a couple rapid fire questions. Yep. Um, posture. I've heard people talk about sitting in lotus, half lotus, cross-legged, all these different things that are optimal for your breathing, for energy to come through. You have a straight back. I find that's really uncomfortable for me. I like to lay down. What feedback do you have for people around posture? Let's say everybody listening right now is going to start the little two minutes every yeah, day. Yeah. They're going to think about their nose and their breath or feel it or focus on it. Um, what do you have to say about posture if they find it uncomfortable to sit all, you know, special like Buddha? Uh, yeah, good, good, good. You don't have to do full lotus or half lotus, but you should have a elongated straight spine because the longer you do it, that's where you'll come down. That's where you'll come to realize that a whole bunch of energetic movement of mind is happening through the spine or in front of the spine. So I... I overcame the posture problem. I didn't naturally sit like that. 
I, I overcame it using it as my object of meditation. I'm like, I can train my body too, you bastard. Yeah, you know, I don't have to just relax all the time and lay down. Okay. Because, and, and because I realized that laying down for me would put my mind to sleep. My mind is used to when you're in this posture, you'll go to sleep. So my mind isn't sharp. And I want my mind sharp if I'm going to analyze and then focus. You know? mm-hmm. So my advice is train your body to just sit up, come to the edge of a chair and just feel comfortable. 100% comfortable is back? number one. What about putting your back up against a wall, like sitting up against a wall to guarantee a straight spine? What do you think of that? If you need it, go ahead. If you can train yourself to elongate and let it float, that's better. Okay. And I'd say that because in more advanced practices, you're going to need that posture more than I can tell. And then talk to me about physical pain, because part of the reason why I don't sit um, perfectly is because like it's uncomfortable for my back. I have Lyme disease, not an excuse, just a thing. So um, it's just a thing that's visiting I me. I love you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Love you too. Not an excuse, just a thing. It's just a thing. <laughs> like, well, you know, some people talk <clears throat> meditation, they're like, I'm transcending pain. And it's like, you know what? If I have a stomach ache, no, no, no. like whatever, what is your feedback on that? And then a couple final questions before we close. Yeah, yeah. So feedback is get to the edge of your pain, but don't make it so it hurts you. That's it. Keep mm-hmm. stretching the mm-hmm. edge until you you've you've beat it a little bit okay but don't don't push it so much that it hurts you okay and then another rapid fire is kind of going back to a question i asked around and just i wanted to close on this because i know it's so present for everyone what to do when thoughts come in what's your advice they're sitting with their breath they're in 20 seconds in and all this chatter is going on about their fight with their partner and the breakfast tasted bad and go 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 on 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 this little voice is talking what do you say that they do in that moment? And if they remember this conversation I'm having with you. Yeah. If you remember this, it's like act surprised as a third person witness of this thing interrupting your mind. Go, oh, check that out. You arrived. So as a third person witness, be surprised, be inquisitive. Like a scientist go, oh, check that out. That just came in. Mm-hmm. You will get hooked by it. At some point, the hook will disappear and you'll become aware that that interrupted you. At that time, Find joy. Go, I just woke up, y'all. I just woke <laughs> I up. thoughts. I see you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I just see woke y'all. up. I was lost. I was lost in this distraction of my fight with my boyfriend. I'm sitting in my room by myself. That's freaking hilarious. Yeah. Like with joy, then return to your object. Okay. Don't don't give them the attention they, they are begging for. Okay. And then my final question is it's kind of a interesting way for me to leave things here before I ask you about three jewels even more, but, um, I've done magic mushrooms and it was an experience that I've never had before. And one of the most profound portals that I've ever been taken through. And I've read the research and the studies, and it looks like your brain and all these neural pathways open from the mushrooms. And it's a, I find it to be a very intellectual drug. I don't know how people I know party with it and go out to a party on mushrooms. I'd be crying on the floor with my journal. But I used it as a vehicle for creativity. Um, I felt really safe taking the mushrooms. Um, no expert here, but I, I I have asked people who meditate and they've told me that the psilocybin in the mushrooms, and those of you who are curious, I think there's a new documentary called Fantastic Fungi on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. It talks a lot about psilocybin and mushrooms, but um, a lot of meditators who have been at it for years tell me that they can have a similar experience and go to a similar portal of awareness without the mushrooms. To me, that sounds wild because 
Where these mushrooms took me, I mean, truly, as a human being in 35 years of this life, I have never mentally gone to a place like that with the amount of information I access through my brain. So can you tell me, like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, good, good. Into that. And then I want to ask you about Three Jewels. Simple answer, okay? I think any substances that force a mental experience like the one you just described is still showing you the power of your mind, okay? The substance might have created the vehicle for which your mind still did the thing. And so I can say, hand on heart, also did mushrooms when I was younger, etc. My, my first Buddhist teacher challenged me to try and generate that experience without the substances because I would have way more agency if I knew I owned the experience. And I tried for a couple of years. And once I had an experience that was even more profound than the one I had on hallucinogenics, then that was a game changer for me. Then I actually took vows not to take any substances because I knew my mind could do it. But the substance taking and all my early years of drug work Mm. gave me a window on what was possible in my mind. Without that, I don't think I would have been able to reference the incredible thing that happened in my meditation. But I can tell you, personal experience, the experience in meditation was bigger than the mushroom experience and more stable. There wasn't a come down. And finally, there wasn't an excuse in my mind that said, I need an external something for my mind to do this thing. Mm -hmm. That is the most profound thing about meditating and reaching those states. Your mind can do it with or without mushrooms. Mm -hmm. Your mind can do it. And once you know that without needing the crutch of external things, you're home free, I think. You're like, oh, my mind is the creator of all experience. Mm -hmm. Everything's made up. You might as well put some good shit in there and think some fun things, you know, if you're in charge of it. Make it a good party. Okay, so closing out um, this conversation, which I want to I wanna have you send us one of your favorite meditations you've done for us to put on the podcast because I was thinking sure. ever since, th- since this course to start putting Monday meditations out on the show. Um, but I, I saw research um, that over 14% of Americans have meditated at least once. And Pew did a study that says it could be as high as 40% of adults meditating at least once a week, which... It's really hard to see. And in the CDC, they talk about, um, you know, 14% of adults say that they've meditated in the past year and, and these benefits, um, improving anxiety levels, improving um, insomnia, insomnia issues. Um, it can re- reduce the risk of being ho- hospitalized for coronary disease by 87%. Mm-hmm. There's a project on meditation. So statistics never stop. Um, where can everybody find you and keep learning from you? Um and, you know, after they subscribe to the newsletter for Three Jewels to start getting info on the classes, where else can people go to keep learning? Yeah, sure. Fantastic. So threejewels.org, we have way too many courses to last you a decade. Yeah. Free or by donation classes. And if you want to support and like that community, we've got over 50 teachers teaching stuff that I was able to teach them. My, my teacher gave me 20 something years of knowledge in the Tibetan Buddhist tradition. And so I'm very well grounded in that tradition. And I'm, and I'm fighting desperately to not let it become dogma and become actual lived experience in the modern day. So that's the nuance here at Three Jewels. Don't go, don't go to some monastic thing and think that you have to be a monk or a nun. 
you got it. Your mind exists right here, right now. You can work with it and have the most extraordinary experience of being, which is always accessible like the blue sky behind the thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I would say follow me on IG because I'm forever posting latest things and retreats and the rest. So uh, Wake Upest mm -hmm. is my handle at Wake Upest. Come and do a retreat. Do a tiny immersion, either a meditation retreat, which we do in silence, and there's one coming up in Spain and one in Mexico, I think, led by teacher friend of mine and myself um or come and take a, a class or a course at three jewels a dharma class called the asian classics institute courses mm -hmm. there's nothing any book by the dalai lama would help you mm -hmm. thank you so that, much yeah above all of that like hang out in community of like-minded people you become i go back to your story about the cafe mm -hmm. and i'm gonna actually finish you know you say every person you meet there is like a little world i know that from grinder right oh my god yeah. have i been through universes for the last week <laughs> Um, no, <laughs> I'm intergalactic, y'all. No, <clears throat> um, what we orbit around, we become mm -hmm. okay. And in the Hindu stories, there's this idea of Indra's net. I don't know if you've heard of this. And Indra's net is all existing living beings as diamonds in cross sections of our lines of living, right? And so you imagine this infinite net, and every time the there's a cross, there's a diamond that perfectly reflects every other diamond on that net. Yeah. So your experience of being is uniquely yours, but it's, in it is reflected everyone else's experience of everyone else in it. Yeah. And so get yourself in community with like-minded people. You mm. want to orbit goodness, hang around goodness. You want to be stressed, go and keep hanging around stress yeah of your own mind yeah. yeah yeah it's like we are the sky and our thoughts are just weather coming through and i'm so excited we had this conversation and excited for people to check out three jewels excited i'm a certified meditation teacher very soon don't really know i i think what i'm going to do with it is put meditations out on this show so those of you listening get ready help Good. you with mindfulness so that you can kind of put on those training wheels before you go into silence beast mode um thank you again for coming on what a pleasure yeah thank you for having me thank you so much for tuning into the u-turn podcast and thank you again so much for our sponsors we are here because of you and to our listeners Thank you for checking out our sponsors. We always pick people and brands that we trust and we believe in. And just for listening to the show, writing your reviews on the Apple app, and just being willing to make your own U-turns. We'll see you next week. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. 
Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's going to push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the Podcast Princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam, on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.